0: What's up nerds? Thanks for being here. Today I'm going to talk with my friend Dr. Jonathan Watson about his new book with Luxem Press, his insights about the logic of the church's liturgy, the beauty of the gospel, and the significance of what we do as a gathered congregation of believers. I also confess that I once called ecclesiology the most boring loci in all of systematic theology. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's uh, start with an introduction. Thanks, Jonathan, for talking to coming on to chat about your book, uh, In the Name of Our Lord. uh, That's four models of the relationship between baptism, catechesis, and communion. Um, So let me just throw it to you and ask, um, like, what are you doing? What do you see yourself doing in this book? Um, maybe just kind of give us a snapshot of, like, uh, your major argument, uh, or even just generally um, what you're doing in this book.
1: Yeah, thanks, man, and thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good to to have a chance to talk about this a little bit. So, uh, essentially, the book is is looking at um, it's looking at initiatory theology. In other words, how do we initiate people into the fellowship and communion of the church? Um, if we get, to put a label on it, we might say it's a work in comparative ecumenical theology. So I'll try to unpack that a little bit. But we're, we're going to be comparing inside the book, I compare uh, a number of different approaches to how people are brought into the church. Um, and so in the book, I propose a somewhat, I think, novel way to look at the, that relationship between baptism, catechesis, and communion um, as it appears across Christian denominations. And so my proposed way of, of approaching the question, sometimes people might be tempted to think about these things either individually in kind of an isolation from one another, mm-hmm. or even if they thought about those three things together, they might approach it more from a, well, how does my denomination think about this mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a Southern Baptist? How does How do Southern Baptists think about this? But my proposed way of looking at it actually tries to ask the question. Well, you know, it, it keys off of the idea that that really, not all Southern Baptists do it the same way. And um, and so, uh, so, so to try to map some patterns of how um, that that relationship has been worked out—a kind of a, as I call it in the book, some liturgical logic. How is it that that? Um, that happens and then try to look at if, if maybe if readers potential readers are familiar with like H. Richard Niebuhr's Christ and Culture and uh, his his kind of a uh, you know laying out those various kinds of relationships and a taxonomy that's that's what I'm doing here so in one sense I'm explaining I'm trying to explain what we see in church history um, by by creating those various models if you will um, I then go on to to try to explore a little bit um what is it that kind of is the decisive move that leads mm-hmm. someone uh, into a particular one model over another um that that question becomes more clear as the book uh, goes on and so towards the end of it in chapter five i i make take up that question uh and argue that that specifically the way that a local church relates faith to uh to a, uh, a decisive entrance into the community, specifically at the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. as that, that key move that is um, that's, that's taking place in all of that.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, let me ask you to back up for a moment. And um, I think uh, two of these words that you're talking about, uh, we're familiar with, but uh, like uh, the study of historical theology and just theology in general, Part of what we're doing is uh, taking something that's obvious that's in front of our faces a lot. Um, Those are some of the things that we sometimes don't think about. Um, So I think um, many in the churches would be familiar with the supper, uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, and baptism, uh, but maybe not as uh, familiar with catechesis. Um, Is that some sort of insect? Is that a dish, a culinary dish um, at the potluck dinner, uh, depending on your tradition? Um, so, like, if you could give like a, a tweet size definition of baptism, uh, the supper, catechesis, and uh, initiation. What you mean by initiation? What would that look like?
1: Okay, um, just each of those terms and kind sure. of sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, we'll start with the most unfamiliar one, catechesis, is simply instruction, right? It's a Greek word. We actually find catecheo uh, in the New Testament, talking about instruction. Um, and so, you know, and and the reason why that comes into this discussion and kind of warrant for this, uh, this notion of teaching or instruction is the Great Commission. Um, where you know, Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that he's commanded them. So catechesis mm. is simply instruction. The reason we include it with baptism and the Lord's Supper um, is because uh, it has a role in bringing people historically and I think biblically, there's a role in bringing people uh, to these uh, for teaching and bringing people into, mm-hmm. uh, into receiving baptism. Would you
0: say there is a difference? If I'm hearing you right, you're saying that catechesis is something, uh, a thicker concept than just teaching? Uh, or would you say that there's they're more synonymous than that? Like teaching versus instruction? Like what yeah, would you so say I mean, is the difference in, between
1: that? instruction, as we're using it here, instruction in the fundamentals of the gospel, of the faith. Mm-hmm. Right? Who is Jesus? Who is God? Who who are we as, as human beings? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to respond uh, to God through Christ? Um, what does it mean to live uh, as mm-hmm. Christ in the world? Those, these kinds of basics, for sure.
0: Yeah, so it seems like you're saying that instruction involving something about the content, like the basics of the Christian faith. Uh, but I was also thinking, too, like the ecclesial context or the community context of um instruction implies that this is happening in a particular context. Um, So um, yeah, I think that you brought uh, both of those elements out, especially when you're talking about these three things under the uh, rubric or banner of initiation. Um, So as you're thinking, uh, and you can kind of continue the, uh, I cut you off of your, uh, the definitions I, I, I myself asked for, but as you do that, could you relate those to? You mentioned something about initiatory theology. Um, how would you take these basic concepts of these uh, practices, and why are you putting them under the rubric of something you're calling initiatory theology? Yeah,
1: okay. So, well, so so baptism has historically been understood. Again, I think you see this pattern inside the the New Testament itself as kind of the the place where faith goes public. Mm-hmm. where someone enters into kind of a visible relationship with God's people. You look look at a place like Acts chapter two and the response uh, that Peter prescribes to his own preaching there on the day of Pentecost, you know, people are saying, what must we do? And he says, you know, repent and be baptized. Um, and so baptism becomes a, a kind of an initial step where people identify uh, with Christ and to, to, to identify with Christ is also to identify with his body, mm-hmm. um, his with, with the bride of Christ, with the church, and so, uh, yeah, so so baptism is that initial step, but then baptism isn't something that's that's going on and on and on and on and on in terms of we don't re baptize people frequently mm-hmm. or shouldn't, I would argue, um, but we do participate in the Lord's Supper, and we see, I think, that also in, in Acts chapter 2. When it says that that uh, as as many as received his word and were baptized were added to their number, and then it goes on to talk about how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching uh, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I think there you're seeing a sign of or instance of the Lord's Supper being uh, you know celebrated amongst all those who have who have committed themselves visibly to the, mm. to Christ through baptism and now recommitting themselves each time as they uh, fellowship over uh, the table. As it, uh, as it relates to, to uh, that, I use the term initiatory theology or Christian initiation. We're just simply here talking about how people are brought into the fellowship of the local church. And, and so as I lay out in the book, I, and this is not unique to me, this is, I think, how most see it. Baptism is entrance into that communion of saints in the local church. And the Lord's Supper is the visible way in which that communion is sustained. It's renewed and sustained uh, in in the context of corporate worship. And um, and to maybe go back to something I said before, we see baptism very clearly in the Great Commission. um, But the Lord's Supper is also, I think, included there as well. Baptism is pulled out and it's separated from all the other things Jesus told us to do and observe, um, right. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded Mm -hmm. you, but he pulls baptism out, uh, by itself because I think it's the first step, uh, in, you know, now identifying with a local body with Christ and with a local body. But, Mm -hmm. but of course the Lord's supper is presupposed in, in doing this in remembrance of me. And so all of these things link together, um, uh, I think, nicely in this idea of, of initiation.
0: Right. Yeah, I like that um, kind of the textual uh, point you're making about the Great Commission. Such a, an important text for us as we're thinking about the nature of God as Father, Son, Spirit, the importance of discipleship uh, in the individual Christian life. But here you're pointing out, too, that this is a uh, pulling together text for a uh, the church and the ecclesiology uh, as well. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, it's something you said before too. I was thinking, like, how does the work that you're doing uh, in your book, specifically, but just thinking about the ordinances like this as a uh, as having to do with initiation into the community? Because it seems like there's uh, at least kind of three major layers to this. Of one, your own someone's own personal understanding of baptism, the Lord's Supper, the nature of the Christian life, and teaching and catechesis. Uh, and then uh, a growing awareness of that person, individual, as they think, oh, I'm fitting into a tradition in which uh, that I'm, I'm functioning in, my church is uh, involved in, and I'm participating in uh, And then that broader Step of thinking, okay, how does my position within this particular tradition relate to uh, other traditions um, that hold different uh, uh, these ordinances in different ways? So, you've discussed how uh, what you mean by initiatory theology. uh, How would you uh, relate that to ecumenical um, concerns? uh, Or just thinking through all those different layers. How would a uh, better understanding of these things uh, impact us at those at those those levels?
1: That's good. Um, I'll just kind of comment on one thing about about this work. The scope is rather staggering. uh, If you think about it, I Mm -hmm. I cover everything from as formal and high church as as Eastern Orthodoxy, Mm -hmm. uh, Roman Catholicism. all the way to the other end of that spectrum to so something like, you know, Quakerism or, you know, right. and, and everything in between. So um, that, that, that potentially was going to get a little unwieldy uh, to kind of stabilize that, that look. I, I looked at church confessions uh, and, and catechisms and uh, in particular. But, but to your question about and point about, you know, me, what do I think or how do I understand myself? Um, and, and what value does, uh, what does this term ecumenical mean and what value mm-hmm. does it have for people? Well, there, sometimes people use the term ecumenical to mean something like, um, we should just completely downplay all differences of theology. Because right, like a,
0: ecumenism is like a bulldozer. where you Yeah, just, just lets level
1: out. the ground and let's everybody, that way everyone mm-hmm. can just kind of hang out together and, and worship together and do ministry together. That's not really what I mean. I don't mean ecumenical in the sense of minimizing all our differences. I mean mm-hmm. it more in the sense of attending to our various differences so we might better understand one another. So if mm-hmm. I'm thinking about talking to one of my brothers or sisters from another denomination, I have a better sense in understanding what they, how they understand this mm-hmm. question. Right. But it, there's also this, this notion of mutual edification. And there was a number of things that I found myself regularly encouraged by, whereas I might not be able to agree with everything Mm -hmm. uh, these other denominations might say. They actually made a good observation about a dynamic, uh, you know, of baptism or the Lord's Supper or Mm -hmm. catechesis or whatever um, that actually helped me be a better, in my case, Baptist, Mm -hmm. right? Like I I was able to more firmly um, hold to and express um, my own faith and, and convictions.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. And one of the things that you started with that sh- strikes me, or struck me about your work, is the avalanche of data uh, and traditions that you're able to uh, account for. Uh, as you're thinking, if we if we focus in on the how entrance into the church, and so that highlights the importance of church membership. But as you're thinking about where do these uh, different traditions, how do they relate baptism, the Lord's Supper, catechesis as uh, part of the meaning of church membership? Um, so that was one of the things that struck me is like, you know, you go from a, a formal statement from Vatican II to a, um, you know, mu- uh, hymn, hymnology or a, a confession uh, from low church Baptist, or as you say, the piety pietist tradition Um, and so that that range was staggering as you said Uh, but then also so the sources uh covered but then also the nature of the tradition as you said the high church to low church um and then being able to map those so not a bulldozer but uh you're mapping them as i like the point that you made about what good is a map well it helps you locate yourself but it also helps you Um, relate yourself to others, and so ecumenism or like an ecumenical understanding uh, doesn't have to be a a hindrance to your own thinking about the church, but can help you understand and benefit from um, others who disagree with you in one way, but help you think through something um, uh, that's very close to your uh, confessional heart as you're thinking about uh, the strange bedfellows or the, the, as you're thinking about that, uh, the spectrum, the models that you have, you might have people on soteriology, the way they understand salvation be radically different, but then the way that they go about relating to the ordinances, for example, we um, were much c- closer to, to those who we thought we were far away from in some cases We're much further away from in practice who we thought we would be, you know, uh, BFFs with um, in in other ways. So I think that's the hard work of, you know, doing this conceptual analytics uh, that you've done uh, really helps uh, that that the work that you've done there uh, has a lot of explanatory power as you're trying to sift through um, your own tradition and your own thinking. Uh, but also the, the broader spectrum of beliefs um, in the church. So,
1: yeah, thank, well, thanks for those observations. I, I found myself regularly encouraged by or and surprised by some of those things where it's like I expected there to be difference. Mm-hmm. And there actually seemed to be more similar of logic than I first uh, initially appreciated. And then there were places where I thought there would be more similarity and there turned out to be more differences. Than, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so so encouraging, uh, you know, receiving encouragements from those surprises, but then also being surprised at (laughs) who you're being encouraged by. Um, So that's interesting. Well, let's shift into like our kind of our final uh, parts of interacting with your work. Um, I'm thinking about some of the major, like from your perspective, what are some of the major theological and pastoral. Uh, implications. Like if I'm a a local church pastor of uh, a low church, uh, rural community that has a hundred people, how will this discussion help me? And even if I'm at a large urban area and I'm ministering in an urban context with a larger church, maybe um, that emphasizes different things, the community looks different. um, How can... um, how can we, or how can thinking carefully about um, these topics help us? And I will say, before you get into your answer, this is my attempt at redemption. Um, back when, uh, I don't know if you remember this. Actually, I do know you remember this because you, you you bring it up to me several times a year. But we were at a ETS meeting. I think we were about to get some pizza, feeling good. I was getting a about to get my monster on the rocks. And you I said just off the cuff, I said, ecclesiology is the most boring loci in all of systematic theology. And looking back, I realized why you reacted this way because you were in the middle of the throes of dissertation work on this big project. You know, the last seven years of your life have been devoted to this. And I just said that it was the boringest loci. Uh, But let me take a minute. What I meant was, I do apologize for that, Jonathan. I I, I do. But what I meant was, I think that's what I meant. I might have been trolling you in the moment. Um, But like, if you're a seminary student, or you just start uh, thinking about theology, uh, the most exciting debates are maybe like, thinking about the debates about soteriology, or Calvinism, or maybe end times, or Um, the doctor of the Trinity or something like that. Like if I'm just starting theology on my own, most of the time we don't think, oh, the most exciting part of this systematic theology book is when we talk about the qualifications for deacons um, or who runs the church or something. So when I was in seminary, this was the least, uh, the most boring loci But then when I got involved in church ministry, all of a sudden, oh, what I neglected in my training, uh, at least uh, what I didn't get excited about, that's actually the most important thing. Because I remember being in an elders meeting, and the question was, uh, someone has been baptized uh, as an infant. uh, What do we do about church membership? And all of a sudden, it wasn't a theory anymore. It was – a group of, it was a family, a group of believers who are asking for an answer from this particular church, what does this mean for us? And I was like, oh, this is really important. This is one of the most interesting loci. (laughs) I need to think about this more carefully. So as I think transition into letting you uh, have the floor here about like, what is the pastoral and theological implications um, that's, this is my attempt at redemption here. Um, so like, it, it, who, how, so in twofold, like, what would you say to someone like me who would say, oh, this is like the most boring loci? Um, what's exciting about it, but then also somebody on the reverse, who all of a sudden realizes how important this is? Um, how can what you're talking about, help both of us? Yeah, older Chet and uh, younger Chet. Here.
1: Essentially, I hear you uh, that that your own narrative reflects something similar to what happened to Saul on the road to Damascus, <laughs> the right? Scales you fell heard off. the voice saying, "You know, you know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And whenever you mm-hmm. came against the church, you were coming against me, Paul." Uh, and so, uh, in in some ways, Chet, I hear you repenting. Maybe the scales have fallen. Wait, are you
0: are you the voice? Are you the uh, voice? No, here? <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm. I'm assuming that the Lord is going to work. Okay, okay, Lord. I get it. So, okay, that's better. That's um. Better. Anyway, I um, accept it. I no, accept I. That. I actually think you're putting your finger on something that that uh, that is is unfortunate. I think oftentimes in seminary contexts, or even in contexts like where I am at Charleston Southern University um when we discuss these things we're kind of limited on time and so we kind of tend to focus when we get to that uh, there are certain conversations that tend to come up and for for ecclesiology and i think for for understandable reasons the the focus of those conversations tends to be on polity you know right how does the church operate what's the authority structure and these kinds of things what's really drawn me in on the ordinances is i actually see here um it, it in in some ways uh my, my own passion for systematic theology, I think, bears out here, because the mm-hmm. ordinances are a summary of sorts of the entire Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, what's drawn me in on ecclesiology isn't so much the polity discussions, but more maybe the ontology of the church. What does it mean for the church to be the church? How does the right, church okay. express its own fellowship? Um, and so we see that happening in the ordinances, and that's actually what stirs my, my uh, passions for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to relate all that to the book, I think uh, a student, let's say, who picked up this book and we're reading it, is going to be exposed to some discussions here, um, uh, sides of the conversation about the the sacraments or ordinances um, that are often neglected in a right. theology class, right? And specifically, how are they related together? How do we how do we see baptism and the Lord's mm-hmm. supper connecting? Um, And so I think it helps them also to understand their own, uh, you know, understandings of of the respective elements, but also then how do we put that together in a context of a local church? But for a pastor, let's say, um, I think think just putting, you know, these three elements that I've considered baptism, catechesis, and communion kind of in this framework and thinking through them closely makes them think about a whole bunch of things that they would otherwise not
0: Mm -hmm. have to
1: think about. Um, we, we often will think about baptism by itself or Lord's Supper by itself. And, you know, what do the words of institution mean? You know, mm-hmm. this is my body or something right. like that. But, but this really makes you think about how they are connected. How do they mm-hmm. relate to one another? Another thing, and, and again, I think that would be helpful for a, a pastor, whether he's at a large church or a small church. Um, the, the book makes a really strong case for what we might call a discerning or discriminant form of administering the, the ordinances. In other words, if this is a sign of, of the gospel and and someone's receiving this sign, whether it's baptism or the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. um, if, if they're receiving this sign, uh, then it needs to be uh, administered on the basis that they have the gospel as far as the church can know, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can't see someone's heart, but we can hear their voice. We can watch their life. And so I think um, helping, there's, there's extended discussion about the importance of uh, discriminate administration. I think that's a, I don't know if I can overstate the, I've just seen it so often in local churches that that's not been the case.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think connected to that is just recognizing that when you administer an ordinance as a pastor or a local congregation, you are saying something, right? As a congregation, mm-hmm. you're saying something. Um, I'll speak from my own tradition, like Southern Baptist, Credo Baptist, uh, Believers Baptist. We're often guilty of, of listening for uh, the voice of the person standing in the water, giving testimony of their personal faith in Jesus. Um, but we don't realize often enough, I don't think, that we as a church, when we give this person baptism, we're saying something mm, to this right, person. Right. And I think That's there's good. also something uh, here as well that God speaks not, not in a sack, you know, like kind of special voice from heaven kind of way. Um, But what God has said about his son, Christ is now true for everyone uh, in, in, in terms of, uh, it's true for those who are united in him. And what I mean by that is not that we are now all like exactly like Jesus. I mean, in Christ, because of Christ, we now are all beloved in, Mm -hmm. in the son, right? Yeah. The father is well-pleased in, Christ. So now he is well pleased in those right. who are united with Christ. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think, um, I think, I think thinking about what we're saying and what maybe God is saying to us through this is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So,
0: yeah, I think uh, that's really, really helpful because I really like the way you just brought it together of the in the ordinances, the individual believer speaks, the gathered congregation of believers speak about that individual and then God speaks through the proclamation of the gospel, through the administration of the ordinances. That's a beautiful picture and it pulls it back into one, that biblical theological framework of like the great commission, uh, but then also to the practical relevance of the ordinances and the things of the church. Um, Fred Sanders, one of his major, um, uh, uh, Emphasis and his scholarship is talking about if we, how, you know, asking this practical question about the doctrine of the Trinity, um, if you can connect and show how the gospel or the Trinity is configured towards the gospel, then it's help. then it's easy, it's an easier step to convince or to bring a congregation or a pastor into. Uh, the belief that the Trinity is important. And so I feel like in some ways you're doing the same move with um, ecclesiology of working through baptism, the supper, catechesis or instruction, and the importance of church membership, and connecting it directly to the way that that proclaims the gospel. Well, then that if if we're able to do that as gospel people, we're answering the practical question of um, this, this is how it's the most interesting loci as well uh, right so i really appreciate the way that you uh that you brought that uh brought that together uh here so as you're thinking about your project as a whole what are some like what would what would the the, the last word you'd want to leave with somebody uh like as as a kind of exclamation point for your work uh, or this area of study uh, what would some you know just final words uh for someone Considering taking the deep dive into the deep things of ecclesiology or the study of the church, um, were just some uh, last thoughts you'd have for them to convince oh, them, uh, so, well, okay?
1: To, uh, yeah, fair enough well, to not so, give them
0: buyer's remorse.
1: Yeah, well, it, I mean, I'll, I'll say a couple of things here. One is that, uh, the kind of uh, the qualifier I've had to give to some of my you know close family members who have uh mm-hmm. said, Hey, I bought your book, you know. Is to remind them, look, this is a revision of a, of a dissertation. And so it does get a little bit technical here mm. and there. Um, and that may be an understatement. But <clears throat> at the same time, I would say that the, the work that we do in, 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 in kind of analyzing and disassembling some of these parts to think about them more closely. Right. Um, I, my prayer for it, you know, throughout the writing process and, and, and now with it, you know, having gone to the publishers and, and hit the shelves. It's just that that process of considering more closely will lead to uh, deeper affection for Christ, deeper mm-hmm. affection for uh, the body of Christ, specifically as that affection might be stirred through the ordinances. And I, I think one of the things that has that certainly just personally been beneficial as I thought about this a whole, whole lot is just, you know, there is the. The Lord is wise and kind. He, he's given us a means of remembering Him, and for understanding things about ourselves that we might otherwise struggle with. You know, the the idea, the concept of union with Christ,
0: mm-hmm.
1: very abstract kind of idea, um, but but we have been given some some ways to think about it. Right, mm-hmm. baptism as a incorporation in Christ, uh, uh, the Lord's Supper, Christ. In us and us with one another, Mm -hmm. Um, our unity expressed at the table. These are things that I think um, that that the study close attention that it gives to these matters will help with. But then also, uh, as you welcome people into your church. And 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 you see them going through these things, you don't see it as just something that's happening to them. Right. Um, but rather something that you are participating with. Um, and your voice is is being heard here. Um, your amen is being given and your welcome, your your right hand of Christian fellowship, if I can use that phrase,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is is being extended to these who have who have with you believed. Um, so uh Yes, it's, it's academic. Yes, it, it gets technical at, at points, but um, I really do try to uh, highlight as, as I go along and then mm-hmm. especially in the final chapter, highlight, really uh, showcase some of the pastoral implications of, of all of these things. It, it is right. relevant. It's not just study for study's sake. I've tried to write on behalf of and for the church um, so that you know she might practice these things better. And I think <laughs> one other thing, if I could just tag it in here, um, is, is that I've, I've really gotten to think about is that, that there's kind of like the way we worship creates grooves in our fellowship together. Like, you know, just the, 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 the kinds of preaching, the kinds of singing and the way you celebrate the ordinances and the way you bring people into the fellowship, the way you do it, the, even the ordering and sequence and the way you relate these things it will create grooves or patterns in the way you relate to one another mm-hmm. and, and just put on repeat. You know, it's like going on vacation. I don't know about you, Chad, but sometimes when I get to the end of a vacation. I look back at that last week and I go, man, that, we ate a lot of good food this week, but if I ate like this every week, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> of the house, you know, I can't, I can't put this on repeat. Um, because if I did, I know what I know what would happen. In the same way, I think it's it allows us to think carefully about how we're doing some things, and how those the way we're doing it might shape us over time. So another yeah. one classic way of of talking about it is just the idea that worship or prayer shapes belief, and belief shapes right. mm-hmm. worship or prayer. And so it's a it's a kind of a both and relationship. Yeah, we have to give special attention to it. That's what I try to do in the
0: book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. I like the, uh, I, I think it's very clearly a work that will, would help you uh, or be a dialogue partner if you're interested in um, studying these academically. But in that last chapter, you really do bring out some of those implications uh, under the banner of the Great Commission and the way that this um, affects church life. And I like the analogy you just used about the grooves that create, are created by uh, the way that we do church. And so um, you have demonstrated that uh, liturgy is groovy. Uh, so um, I think that's a, probably a good place to uh, end our discussion. Um, so d- ecclesiology is not the most boring loci. It's groovy, baby. Um, so <laughs> I think that is, um, is something that is a good reminder to us of uh, that God loves the church and thinking carefully about the church um, is a uh, worthwhile task. And so thanks for helping us uh, with this book and in this conversation. So.
1: Thanks for having me.